for their hashtags. A dissection of pop culture past. With Eric Dallinger. And Carly Anna Billings. Hello and welcome to the Guest Mist episode of Before There Were Hashtags. I am your host, Mr. Eric Dallinger, and I am here with my amazing co-host, the beautiful, the brilliant, Carliana Billings. What? Oh my goodness, that's me. Thank you for the intro, Eric. It is indeed Guest Mist. This is our second installment this season of Guest Mist, and we are so excited. We're just so excited. And we have... Carly, we have one of our oldest friends with us. I know. We have a coveted guest. <laughs> I totally meant old as in like, we go way back. Not as in like, she's an old person. Not at all. She's 1,007 years old. She's True. talented beyond those years. The most wonderful human. One of the best people I know. It is Laura Welch, everybody. Woot, woot. I'm so so excited excited to to be here. Well, we're so excited to have you, Laura. So just a little intro to everybody. Laura and I met doing a little show, a very inappropriate show called Miss Saigon, um, where we were 14, 15, 16-year-olds playing GIs and prostitutes, Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. that's appropriate. And most of us were white, going to expose us. Um, we were kids. We were kids. We didn't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you can't like blame kids for doing a summer program and then the show being that like, you know, Yeah. it wasn't, you didn't choose the show. We didn't choose the show. But then the next year, uh, we did a little musical called Chess and our beautiful Carly joined us for that one. Oh gosh, golly. I sure did. I sure did. And, you know, the rest has been history. You know, we've weaved in and out of each other's lives over many, many years. And we know a great deal about each other. And we love each other. And we all like to hang mm. out and mm. eat sushi and watch Drag Race mm. and all that fun stuff. So, Laura, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Tell us a little about yourself. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm Laura Welch. I am an artist living and working in Hamilton. I am an actor, singer, producer. I have a podcast as well called Hell The yeah. Wild Podcast. Yes, you do. It's awesome. Yeah. With another friend um, of ours, Rose Hopkins. Yes, yes. Rose Hopkins. Yeah. It was also Being... in chess. <laughs> yep. Ah, <laughs> it's just the breeding ground for fantastic people. One night in Bangkok and the world's your podcast. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Thank you, Abba. Um, Thank you, Abba. <laughs> Oh, gosh, yes, thank you. A producer for my own theater company with Carly. Hell yeah, you are. And a bunch of people called Light Echo Theater. And I also work for industry, working on the Safer Spaces Project, which is a project that was kind of, it had its, its, its first inklings in my mind. that chef's kiss such a great project so many things so many things yoga so many so many yoga things. teacher you yeah. are a yeah. yoga teacher yeah mm-hmm. you're a woman of the world multifaceted mm-hmm. wonderful human um mm-hmm. yeah and we're so excited to have you here 
Thank and Laura, you. what what like draws you to pop culture? What do you love about pop culture? Uh, what what parts of pop culture do you indulge in? It's a really great question. And yeah, very. I felt very distanced from pop culture in the sense that everyone knew more than I did, and I felt real bad about it. Uh, like everyone watched Titanic and I pretended like I had seen Titanic and that I loved Leonardo DiCaprio and like got Titanic stuff for my birthday and pretended like, yeah, I love it. It's my favorite. Um, so I just felt like I was always out of the loop and that really made me gravitate towards my own love, which was musical theater at the time. And, uh, <sighs> we're gonna talk about today one of my obsessions. And when I mean obsessions, I really mean obsessions. Like I literally, it was the only thing I would talk about for about three years. Um, so this could be a very long podcast, buckle up. <laughs> oh, we're excited, we're excited. It's so funny that um, one of your fake obsessions was Titanic. Cause I mean, who didn't when they were younger pretend they saw something that everyone else was doing? Like I, for years, pretended to watch the OC. I was like, yes, it was so yes. good. Loved watching that last night. Meanwhile, I'm yeah, at home listening to probably like cats. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I was, my weird obsession as a kid was like not Titanic the movie, but the Titanic. Like grade oh. five, I got I got books for Christmas on it because I was like I need I want all the facts like I yeah so I think that's so funny that your fake obsession was my real obsession and that today we're talking about <laughs> your real obsession which I'm so obsessed and with yeah one of my real obsessions is Leonardo DiCaprio's hair in that movie because it's beautiful <laughs> it's just gorgeous the, 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 I, I call I call it the '90s heart hair because like the way the hair oh. is like draped it makes a heart. All the BTS oh. boys kind of have it now, so yeah, that's it's kind of back. I like it, yeah, it is kind of <laughs> back. Yeah, nice. Late nineties, so early two thousands are back. The vibes. I don't get that honestly. Like as someone who like grew up in the nineties, uh, as you have, um, I I don't know about nineties fashion. I'm not really for bringing it back. <laughs> I'm seeing I'm seeing all the platforms. And I'm like, oh, people's ankles. Oh no, they're <laughs> oh no, ankles. fall down. Don't fall, don't fall. Dylan dangles look, everywhere. I know you look like Ginger Spice, but don't fall. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At what cost? At what cost for fashion? Same with eyebrows. Like, let's be careful, folks. Oh, let's be careful was out 90s, there. Was 90s the really thin ones? Yeah. Like pencil thin? I'm yeah. obsessed. <laughs> yeah. All right. But the, yeah, go oh, ahead. So no, no, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. You're the guest. So I don't, talk. I don't think, oh, uh, I don't think we've actually said what the obsession was. Oh yeah. Go for mm-hmm. it. So mm-hmm. I was obsessed with the musical Evita. Evita. And by, ex- <laughs> yeah. Do, 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 do. By extension, I was obsessed with Ava Perone. And we're going to talk about that. 
Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, we will. Can I, can I talk a little bit about how it started? We are not in our time machine yet, Laura. I get to be on the time machine? Yeah, we got to yeah, hop in our yeah. time machine. And oh. how we gas up the time machine is that we talked for five minutes about current pop culture and things going on in the world today. And then after that, we go way back to the way back. And we'll talk okay. about Evita, Patti Lapone, Madonna, Eva Peron. Madonna, because I did it. Yes, I did it better than Madonna. <laughs> We're salsa over here. Salsa. Oh, perfect. Woo! No, no, you yeah. you bring it up. We love it. All righty. So Eric's me... going to start the timer, because if we didn't time it, we would, you know, We would go, go forever. on forever, because yeah. we just love talking about <laughs> pop culture. It could be another podcast fully, but instead it's a segment here. Yes. All right. Here we go. Five minutes in. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. What's 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 the tea, Laura? What do you want to talk about? I want to talk about Drag Race UK and the uh, final decision on that. Oh, okay. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Are you okay? Am I allowed to talk about it? Right, yes. I'm good. We're just yeah. gonna we're just gonna put a spoiler alert. If you if you don't want to hear about this, just fast forward five minutes. Here we go. Yeah, talk about Drag be, Race. You'll manage. You'll be fine. In three, two, one. What are your thoughts? Okay. Um, if you watched the last episode of Drag Race UK and you saw the performances and you saw the lip syncs, I think Kitty Scott Claus was very clearly the winner. Oh, um, for sure. Like, it came out of nowhere uh, that Crystal won. I mean, it didn't because oh, Rue clearly Rue. loved... Rue Crystal. loved Crystal, so we knew... I think I knew by the second episode Crystal was going to win, but in <sighs> terms of the episode, the final episode, and track record, Kitty Scott Claus should have won. In terms of track record as a whole, Ella Vidé should have won, but her final yes. lip sync stank. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also, like... Like, there hasn't been any plus-size queen, right? Well, Lawrence Cheney is plus-sized. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. But why not have another? Oh yeah. Like, yeah. I, I just think that like uh she challenges this idea that like artists and drag queens and stuff always have to have like lots of trouble in their lives. You know, she just is happy and that is also a nice and valuable thing to represent. Yeah, she's so, so. positive. Yeah. I just loved every episode when she would be like, I have three badges and a sash. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's all I got. No. I, I think it's really funny UK versus um, the other iterations of Drag Race. For me, it seems like UK, it's almost always very obvious from the get, from the get who's going to win, which is kind of a bummer. Yes. Um, mm. I think they like try to throw you, but it also for me like has been pretty clear that rue is gunning for one for one specific queen to be the winner mm. or like rue's favorite queen is the queen that will win and not necessarily mm. um yeah the queen that should win by either popular public thought or by like the actual track record in the show i think it's i think it's more prominent in the uk than it is in any other franchise which i think is weird but mm. well you know what's really interesting if we go back to 
Series 2 of Drag Race UK. Mm-hmm. I watched a TikTok yesterday, and, like, maybe this is unverified. I'd have to look it up. But um, Bimini Bamboo Lash has more followers than Lawrence Cheney and the Vivian no, that's have true. combined. I think that's probably true. Like, yeah, Bimini is a, was the breakout star. Bimini yeah. was a breakout yeah, star. I... Tace has more followers than Lawrence and the Vivian. Well, but also people are thirsty and Tace is hot as fuck. Tace so. is gorgeous. In and out of drag, yeah. Tace is so gorgeous. Yeah. I, I think Lawrence Cheney is gorgeous, but also like... You love you Lawrence Cheney. I, I'm the biggest Lawrence Cheney stand in the world. Though, do I think Lawrence Cheney should have won over Bimini Bamboulash? No. And I'm the biggest Lawrence Cheney stand there can be. So... Bimini Bamboulash won in my brain. Like, that's yeah. why I didn't... Mm-hmm. That's why I was like, oh, there hasn't been one. But it was... Right? Yeah, yeah, Lawrence Cheney. Yeah. And I'm I'm totally a, like, gunner for, like, the big girls should win. Like, obviously. Um, but I... Yeah, for... I was like, mm, does it have to be, like, this time? Like, can it be someone else? <laughs> because... I love yeah. Bimini. Bimini Stan. I know. I like how Bimini. we've gone back to series two because it's just, it's series two is so it's good. It's iconic. It's iconic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think Crystal makes sense if you look at the, like she isn't represented yet in UK drag. Like the Vivian is mm-hmm. like yeah. more the like kind of comedy actress and then Lawrence Cheney is like the plus sized but fashion and Scottish and queen, Scottish yeah. queen and is hilarious but failed snatch game. Um, and so, <laughs> oh no, that's not yeah. Crystal, Crystal represents the more like Violet Trotsky style of drag that the American I, version. I would, has. I wouldn't even say Violet Trotsky style. I would say isn't that Crystal more, more is more to me like an Aquaria yeah. Yeah. drag. Because I, I just, I think Violet Chachi has something real special. I love Violet Chachi. You will love Violet. Yeah. Um, I am another. I'm a Violet Chachi stan as well. Because I think she's so beautiful and so mean, but in the best way. In like, in the be- like, I just I admire her so much. I, I think yeah, they were trying to maybe bring some variety to the UK crown. Which that's it. Really we're done. Mm. We're done. Though we don't agree. Period. <laughs> All right. Well. We've made our way back to the way back, and now we're going to be talking about Laura's all-time favorite musical. I think this episode is going to bounce all over the place between Avita, Patty, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Ava, Juan. Like, there's, it's going to bounce around. It's going to get into a little bit of Sunset Boulevard too, because that's some drama. Um, But why don't we take it away? Laura, all right. I feel like you're the most passionate, so I like I want to. I am very passionate. I about want this. you to start yes. this one off. I want to hear everything. Yeah, I just want you, you to go to off rant. Yeah. Okay. 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 So it all began in grade five. Mm-hmm. Grade five? No, grade four. It started Ooh. in grade four. Um, oh, no. Emily in Hamilton, Ontario, of Avita. And we were the children's choir that sang in Latin and Spanish. And we were, we had to audition and were handpicked and our choir director Whoa. would go around and, and be like, you're flat, you're sharp. And I was like, this is so professional. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, oh, and then that's, that's it just like, it. it had so much, um, it seemed so prestigious at the time. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be a performer. I'm going to get to be on stage. And I had seen some musicals at this point and thought like, whoa, this is special. So then we go to like the, the dress rehearsals where we're like mingling with the adults. And I get to see the song Perron's Latest Flame, which 
if you've never heard before, it's like got the soldiers being like pretty misogynistic, but the biggest thing is they're swearing. And they were saying like, bitch, slut. Very and scandalous, I, yeah. <gasps> a scandalo. A scandalo. So, sca- <laughs> so scandalous. Um, and I just got obsessed. I was like, people can do that? People can say things like that? What? Yeah. Like, What's going what? on here? What? They're allowed... They're allowed, they're allowed and also being praised for what? it. Like, this is part of the thing. What? And and I think the part of what was breaking in my brain at the time was also that the lyrics to the songs that I was singing in the show were in languages I didn't understand. Or they were like, please, holy Ava, will you bless a hungry child? Like, they were so... She was such a saint. And then I was hearing these like bad, dirty words. What is going on here? So I finally got the cast recording, listened to it before grade five person listening to it, memorized all the words, became obsessed. Ava Perone was feeling, and that I was the perfect person to be cast as Ava Perone at some point. and also not very good because I was a child. She did her own research. I was doing the research. She's been doing the work ever since, everybody. <laughs> it's been a part of her life. I yeah. love it so much. That's so funny. And I learned so much. You know, my dad's an astronomer and he was doing trips down to Chile. And for many years, had these hanging up. Of course. But Ava Perone, all my school projects were about Ava Perone. And- You were obsessed, you know, I love this. Obsessed. And the thing is, I didn't get all the information. You see, I didn't get all the information. And I was talking their ear off about Ava Perone. What about the fact that, like, Perone was a friend of the Nazis? Yeah. Oh, goodness. Yeah. And I was like, uh, no, that's not a thing. I You're did like, my research. Not, not my Ava Perone. What are you talking about? <laughs> and I was like, what's your proof? And they're like, uh, Argentina is famous for harboring Nazis. Yeah, that's like their thing. Yeah. Oh. wasn't before I did a public speech at the Royal Canadian Legion detailing why Ava Perone was such a saint. So, you know, <laughs> you learn. You live, you learn. You, you make learn. mistakes. That's and here I am. So, Laura, why, why don't you That's give us beautiful. like a little brief synopsis on who Ava Perone is? Ava Perone started as Ava Duarte, born ni- uh, May 7th, uh, 1903. You know your facts. I'm loving this. This is going to be awesome. Yes. Uh, And that might be wrong because I'm remembering this from when I was a kid. But she grew up like lower class in Argentina. Her father. Family. She didn't really have a lot of prospects, but 
it is thought that she kind of slept her way to Buenos Aires, got there by the help of the kindness of strangers. Yeah, that, that's how like I was always taught about her in, in musical theater school, like when they, we were talking about Evita. Like, they were like, yeah, she slept her way to the top, which is, I mean, maybe a little misogynistic, but that is how it was described to me. Yeah, I think she went fairly early. You know, I don't think there's like a stigma for In the sense that, like, she didn't have a lot of options. She was quite poor. To be... ...2021. Uh, she totally would have been a podcaster. She totally has... Yeah. Has something to say. She's a big podcaster vibe. Oh, wow. Yeah. Major. Mm. And she got on the radio, she became kind of famous, that she was an actor, and got the attention of Colonel Juan Perón, who was an up-and-coming colonel in the army. And there were tons of coups at the time in Argentina. Yeah. Anyway, they were... She... I think they got married and then they, he, they became in power, but she was the first lady of Argentina, which as a kid, I thought meant that she was like the very, very first one. But it just means that you're the wife of the <laughs> you're the You're the number one first one. There's never been one before you. You are the Eve of Argentina. The first lady made from the rib. The first lady that ever was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Having watched it recently as an adult, she like would have people write their wish on a ticket and then throw it up in the air, and whichever one she picked, she gave them that thing. Argentina's glory, uh, and met with a bunch of dictators. And the British, who she got out of Argentina, hated oh, the British that idea. Hated her. They oh, hate yeah. her. Yeah. yeah. And that's represented really well yeah. in the musical, by the way. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a British <laughs> mega musical, so it definitely has a British propagandist twist onto it. Huge meteoric rise by the time she was like 26. Mm. And she, uh, she got ovarian cancer and died... In 1952, July 26, at 8.25 in the evening. Yeah, she was only evening. 33, I believe. Yeah. Yeah, she was 33. Also, yeah, down to the minute, Laura. Laura's got it, which I am obsessed with. I mean, with. that one's from the lyrics in the musical. <laughs> but still. But every I year. I don't know all the lyrics I don't, yeah, I don't the know musical. the lyrics. Yeah. Every year on that day at that time, I'm like, mm, she died today. <laughs> You're like, this is the time in the this day. This is it. Yeah. Wow. Um, do we want to get into maybe some facts about the musical and then we'll revert back to Ava Perone and her yes. corpse? Because what? It's Spooktober again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Let's do All it. Right. Well, many people may be surprised to know, but uh, the musical Avita started out, like many of Andrew Lloyd Webber's musicals, as a concept album. 
I mean, no surprise. He's kind of, that's kind of his job. Yeah, so that was released in 1976, and it would eventually become a great uh, West End musical that would win a Laurence Olivier Award for the best musical, and then would later win the Tony uh, when it would go to Broadway. Broadway, totally. Broadway. Broadway. (laughs) Yes. I'm Mm, so like. Just getting into the history, like in 1972, they Robert Sigwood was uh, proposed to do a Peter Pan musical with Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice, but that like didn't work out and it was like abandoned. So then there this kind of left this uh, vacuum of space for the two of them to write a musical. And uh, Tim Rice got like really obsessed at this point. He watched a documentary on um, on. Avida, uh, well, on Ava Perone, of course, and then he, like, became, like, obsessed with her and, like, would do all this research. Um, he watched this, like, TV film called Queen of Hearts, which was, like, about her, and he loved her, and he went up to um, Andrew Lloyd Webber and was like, let's write this musical, and believe it or not, he said no. Andrew Lloyd Webber was like, I'm not into this. This is, like, he was like, it would be cool, you know, we could do all these tangos and pasta dobles and Latin music, but you know what, I'm not really into this. So he decides instead to do a musical called Jeeves, which was supposed to be like a traditional Rogers and Hart <laughs> musical. Um, and guess what happens? That musical flops. It does not do anything. Because it sounds like trash. It doesn't sound like anything. <sighs> yeah, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> With does it sound interesting to you? Would you watch it? I wouldn't. I'd be I like, mean, eh. it, it sounds like some Frasier stuff. Some Frasier shit. Yeah, but I, then I, I, I like could Fra- just go watch Frasier, though. Yeah, yeah. Frasier's... Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, why, 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 why waste need, your time? Yeah, why do I need Jeeves? I don't need Ask Jeeves. Jeeves. I feel more... I feel, I feel more, like, moved by, yeah, Tim Rice's vibe, which is very... Uh, like, Laura Welch's vibe, if you ask me. <laughs> very much. Like, he really took the Laura Welch approach and said, this is the thing I really want to talk about. Can we talk about it? <laughs> and, like, Anne Rice's, like, obsession with her. He, like, went to Buenos Aires and, like, to do research on oh. her life. Um, yeah, he was Did he go it. to the Ricoletta Cemetery where she yeah. was buried? Finally? He even named his first daughter after her. <laughs> Ava uh-huh. Rice. Ava Rice. Wow. Short, short, short and sweet. Short and sweet. Um, yeah. So after this, sort of Angela Weber, I guess, with his tail tucked between his legs, was like, all right, well, let's go back to Robert uh, Stigwood and let's do this Avita thing. And, you know, you know, the rest is history. We'll get into it. But... Uh, yeah, so that sort of is like the inception. Like, so really, it's interesting. Like, Andrew Lloyd Webber gets all this like credit for Evita. Like, when you think of Evita, like you think Andrew Lloyd Webber, but that's kind of also because of mm. a lot of the drama behind it between its stars and him. But like, really, the development of the musical really came more from Tim Rice's brain. And the, I mean, the story of the yeah. piece would come more from the lyricist than the composer, in my opinion. Totally. And I mean, it is also was heavily um, influenced by Hal Prince. Yeah. Like Hal Prince was, yeah. the, was the producer on it. So like, you know, kind of anything Hal touched was kind of gold. So. Vita, incredible though, is the music. Not only are there like some gorgeous tunes, but there are, the music is like very uh, dissonant at times. Like it is a fairly complicated musical piece 
and at least in my eyes i'm i'm always kind of there to defend andrew lloyd weber because of this obsession that i had as a kid um like i do think it's one of his pieces that has the most artistic merit and 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 vocally it's like one of the hardest things ever so that is bad and good and exciting and um harmful <laughs> yeah. all all of the things a bit of each yeah i yeah i totally see that i the thing about weber is i grew up kind of uh being a stan of like joseph me too yes. joseph was like my gateway drug into musical theater you know mega musical super simple easy to me like in my artistic mind kind of what's wrong with musical theater in a lot in most ways um, but what it's also fun and entertaining and what musicals should be too. But Evita is not that, which I think is exciting. Hmm. Yes. And I think yes. that shows, and I think that for, for, uh, yeah, the Andrew Lloyd Webber stands, I think that is a good laurel to, to rely on is that it like shows, you know, the, the depth of his work making better. And versatility, like the yeah. same guy who made Phantom and, yeah cats i guess yeah <laughs> yeah i know right cats <laughs> i mean yeah i would say in some ways like angeloid weber is like the antithesis of like a stephen sondheim but yeah. like i Absolutely. think that there's it, there's some beauty in the fact that there is really room for both and you i i hate people that sort of get on their pedestals and like only like one i think you can like stephen sondheim's really complex really thought-provoking pieces and also really enjoy sort of the accessibility that is Andrew Lloyd Webber. Why can't some people like one and not have to shit on the other? Like, yeah. yeah. I, I wrote, I remember when I was in theater school, there was someone in my class uh, who was really talking down Andrew Lloyd Webber. And I wrote a big essay that may still be on my Facebook. Ooh. Uh, about it was it was called in defense of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, I, I love and it. it's it's pretty long, um, but basically saying that like if people love something and it brings them great joy, uh, and it's not harming, like maybe we should just let people enjoy things. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing, right? Like why? Who cares? Like art is art, and fun is fun, and everyone can have a bit of everything, and not everything is for you, Carly Billings. That's what I have to remind myself too. Mm. Um, that was just a personal note for myself. Not necessarily about Andrew Lloyd Webber, just about, you know, things. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention is that this musical comes right after my favorite Webber musical, which is Jesus Christ Superstar. Mm. So, the con- like, that, which also started as a concept album. So, it's very much same kind of formula, um, but that's super. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. I have this fun um, quote from Hal Prince. Who, like, when he was, or Harold Prince, when he, like, decided that he wanted to become, like, part of the show, this is, he commented, any opera that begins with a funeral can't be all bad. Honestly, that's a vibe. <laughs> yeah. But when he wrote that, he said he wouldn't be able to take on the project for two years. So it actually, like, held up the project for a little bit. Wow. Mm. Yeah. You know, I don't actually, it's funny. I know a little bit about the stage musical part of it, but that wasn't something I had access to so much as a kid. And no one told me there was a Broadway cast recording for like a long oh. time. So 
Yeah. For me, like Evita was Madonna and uh and Ava for a long time. That's so funny. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madonna. We'll get oh we'll get into Patty's like opinions on Madonna a little later, but <laughs> Yeah. Um funny enough though, as much as synonymous with Evita that is Patty and Evita, she actually is not the world premiere Evita. Huh. Uh, because of course Evita didn't premiere on Broadway, it actually premiered first in the West End. So the world premiere of Evita was Elaine Page. She was the original Evita. Right. Um, and love Elaine Page. I'm an Elaine Page Elaine stan. Page stan. Why not? So the production was Lane. in. Sorry, the West End production was directed by uh, Harold Prince and choreographed by Larry Fuller and produced by Robert Stigwood. And yeah. Paige was succeeded by um, Marty Webb, uh, Stephanie Lawrence, a lot of people. And it became this kind of like tradition too that the, so because the role was so hard to sing that they would often have alternates. So the uh, actress playing Evita would only have to sing the role or play the role six times a week. And another actress would get to do it two times a week for the matinees. And But their tradition became that the cover would often become the next Evita. So it was like they were in training to become Evita. But the understudies never really got that same uh, tradition or experience. So sad for the understudies. But cool that the covers got that little... Yeah, like, very much from Evita. Uh, yeah. Um, and it got pretty good reviews in the Sunday Times. Uh, Derek Jewell wrote it was quite marvelous and described uh, Lloyd's uh, score as ambitious and un and an unparalleled fusion of 20th century musical experience. So it did pretty well, and because of that, oh, Elaine Page of course won the uh. The Olivier Award for it and for Best Actress. So, Elaine Page, who also famously debuted in chess, like yes, that's all we love. Elaine Page, maybe I'm a no man. He said, <laughs> like, yeah. I know him so well. Like we, mm-hmm. we stand. Mm-hmm. Can we move on to the Broadway production? I think it's oh. important that we do. Yeah. <laughs> so here we go. So because of the success of the beautiful West End production, they decided that they were going to move it to Broadway, but first it would go actually to San Francisco for its off-Broadway tryout, and the original hope was that Elaine Page would go with the production and she would be able to originate the role on Broadway, but American Actors' Equity decided, they were like, no, like, we don't want a British actor, like, we're not going to give you the visa, we're going to make this really hard, so then they did a whole, like, wide search for the next Evita, the uh, the premiere Broadway Evita and many actresses tried out for this role including actually one being Meryl Streep hmm. but she did not get it because it would go to a, a Juilliard grad by the name of Patti Lapone who yeah you was, might not you might not have heard you of may her not have heard She's, of her you probably haven't heard of her She's not that famous she didn't really yeah. do much if you like this. musical theater you definitely mm. don't know who she is um, never heard of her no she's not currently on Broadway mm. um yeah I don't know Patty Lapone, is that how you say her name? I think so. I actually saw her live. Um, I because I loved all things Evita. I eventually like had to see her and Mandy Patinkin, and I like oh, 
They were incredible. That's great. Actually, That's great. I saw her afterwards. I went to the stage door and I was like, thank you for all that you've done. You've done so much. Thank you. Oh my God. And she was you so generous. Yeah. That's so good. Oh, I did that. But um, as An- as Angela Lansbury walked away, she said, <laughs> I love you so much. Yeah, she was really generous. And I, I, oh, I was beautiful. like, no, I don't want an autograph or a picture. You've done so much for us already. <laughs> You're like, I just need to tell you. That's all. Yeah. That's so, that's so sweet. Like, that's I so sweet. That. Yeah. Um, also in this production was, of course, Mandy Patinkin. Oh, love <laughs> Mandy Patinkin. You know what he's really good in is uh, there's this recording of Man of La Mancha where he plays Sancho. And he's delightful. That's where I first came in contact with him. Love him. I learned about mm. Manny Patinkin when he was on Criminal Minds. Mm. Isn't that bad? <laughs> no. That's the most random place, but I'm obsessed. He was that's like the main character for Manny the first Patinkin. two seasons and then leaves. Well, also... It's, that's so funny. Also, he's, he's in Princess Bride, right? Yes. Yeah, that's, that's how I learned about it when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. I was like, "You're look at you. You're the best part of this movie. We love you." Ooh, obsessed with Princess Bride, and I'm like, "Oh yeah, I like Princess Bride too." You're like, "Yeah, that, me too. I'm I know it very well. Um, I won't quote it for you because I will never stop. I know the whole thing. I'm yeah. not sure you know what that word means. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He did it." I see. I love Mandy Patinkin from uh, *Sunday in the Park* with George. But, yeah, incredible. incredible. He, Makes me just lose my brain. Icon, legend. Yeah, honestly. And that I little vibrato that. too, like ah, so wispy. Ah. I just, just want to cry. Yeah. yeah. Um. So we should talk about um Lapone's experience playing La Vida. Uh, La Vida. Mm. La Vida. Living La Vida, La Vida Loca. Loca. <laughs> <laughs> Who, hey, Ricky Martin would eventually play Che in this musical in the revival. So, hey, little so, connection hey. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's all connected, baby. So, Lapone would write in her memoir, A Vida was the worst experience of my life. I was screaming my way through a part that could only have been written by a man who hates women. And I had no... <laughs> And I had no support from producers who wanted a star performance on stage, but treated me as an unknown backstage. It was like Beirut, and I fought like a banshee. Yeah, I mean, as a kid, if I had read that, I would have been like, she's so ungrateful, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, But Mm -hmm. as, like, an adult who's working on the Safer Spaces project, like, no doubt, no doubt that happened. No doubt it was awful. It like it was a very safe space for her yeah also like yeah in her in this memoir she talks about how she like she went to juilliard but like she didn't really have much formal singing training she just like had a natural voice that like could do cool stuff yeah yeah well that's like that was the thing that so during the out of run tryouts of it it didn't get really good reviews and she didn't get really good reviews and she was having some vocal problems to the point that they were starting to get rumors that they were going to replace her with elaine page that like that hell prince was like gunning to get elaine page her visa so that she could come uh start the role on broadway um but lapone would later say that 
those rumors were just like they were just started by Hal Prince to like build publicity for the show and so that people would be like oh let's see if like she can actually do it so that you're like oh god i see her now while i can in case she gets replaced by elaine page like honestly that's really funny and i really like that (laughs) i feel terrible i feel terrible for her but i think that's really funny yeah i also watched like a funny um view interview with patty where she was talking about how the hardest part of it was that Elaine Page had done it on the West End and they really just wanted like her to be Elaine Page and yeah. she they weren't allowing her to find herself and at one point she yelled at a photographer because the photographer was taking pictures for like the like mm. the front of house so of course there's the famous like a beat pose but there's two versions the Elaine Page is like with you have right angles and then the Patty LaPone version is you jut out straight and that when the photographer was taking it, she was like, can you do, like, this pose? And uh, Patty yes! was like, I don't Laura's do that pose. I yeah. do this pose. And then, but what's funny about it was that um, Lapone wasn't actually doing that pose at all in the musical during the, like, the previews and the rehearsals. But because she did that in the picture, she then, like, worked it into her performance. Yeah. Because she wanted to stand out in her own way, which, like is both really bold and really smart. Like, it is mm-hmm. both of those things. It's also, like, very much the sign of victory, like, the arms and that V. Uh, yeah. Is, if you've ever watched... Um... Yes. This is how we should pose in photographs? And uh, and someone's like, no, that's gymnasts, Murray. Gymnasts. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So good. Do what you do what you need to do. Uh, the do bee, I think it's smart that she did that. Yeah. It's also interesting that in like the original productions, the character of Che like was really they were encouraging the actor to play it and the costuming to like really look like Che Rivera, mm-hmm. but uh, like he's not really a part. From my understanding, he's not really historically a part of this story. Am I correct in that? Can verify, yes. So, uh, he is not a part of the story at all. Um, he, I think he was born in Argentina, which is why, like, he's, like, included in, like, the Argentinian scape of the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Go for it. Yeah, give it to us. Podcasts are a series of tangents. It's all good. Okay. So my uncle is one of the world leading experts on the Cuban. Oh, cool. Yeah, that's really <laughs> badass. Yeah. It's pretty badass. That's so awesome. Dr. David Welch. Anyway, he was going down to do. First name basis. Um, <laughs> oh, hell yeah. Uncle Fidel. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I had been to Cuba with my mom recently and I was like, oh, uncle, can you please take a letter from me to give to Castro? And he's like, yeah, but you need to write it in Spanish. So I got my stepmom to help me write it in Spanish. And it was like, dear Mr. Castro, President Castro, I love your country. Everyone is so nice. Your beaches are so lovely. Sincerely, Laura. And... and the secret surface around were like oh no they like they almost intervened and my uncle was like oh it's it's a letter from my niece and uh, Fidel like reached out and got it and he was like thank you so much and and read it and was like this is lovely and 
Yeah. That's so cool. So I had wow. a, a letter hand delivered to Castro. Who knew Che Guevara? Who knew? Well, he didn't know Eva, Pera, Eva Prom, but like. He was born, he was born Argentina, in Argentina and, and then yeah. wrapped up into the story because they needed like a narrator. So Eva Prom and yeah. me are like this. You re- really and truly. You are, you are like so connected to Eva. Yeah. We're on a first Except for the Nazi part. Very much against that. <laughs> Want to be very clear. <laughs> Want to make it really, <laughs> no, we'll, really clear. We should. Yeah. There's no gray areas when it comes to Nazis. Thank Mm-mm. you. The end. The original Broadway production would premiere on the 25th of September 1979 and would close on June 26th, 1983 with... 1,567 performances and 17 previews Mm -hmm. and would um it actually had mixed reviews when it first premiered but would go on to be believed nominated for 11 tonys and would win best musical uh best direction of a musical and would give uh patty lapone and matinkin tonys for both of their roles Mm. it also like Later had an Australian production, a Madrid, a Mexican, a Brazilian, a London. It was at um, the Stratford Shakespeare's Festival. It was a Brazilian again. And then it had a broader revival and Italian production and like really kept just going. Yeah. So, I, going and going. Gearing, I, I, I need to like put in the asterisk here. I just, my brain was like, you got her birthday wrong. And I did. It was May 7th, 1919. Ah, asterisk, asterisk done. Thank you. Here we go. We love it. We love a self-correction. We love it, we love it all. All good. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm gonna like. Is there anything else on the Broadway production we want to share? Because I I kind of want to get into a little bit of Andrew Lloyd Webber and Patti Lapone in Sunset Boulevard because that. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let's jump to that real quick, and then we have to yeah. jump back to Ava because then we gotta jump. Oh it's my goodness, drama, baby. So of course, even though Patti Lapone has said like it was the worst experience of her life and blah blah mm-hmm. blah, she obviously did a good enough job to win a Tony, and therefore like Andrew Lloyd Webber really did like her. So Andrew Lloyd Webber, of course, writes the musical Sunset Boulevard, which premieres in L.A. Because they're like it's actually a movie about uh not a movie. It's a fi- it's um. I can't talk. A show. Today. It's a piece. It's a piece it's about a piece the film work. industry. Yes, it is a theater yeah. piece about the film industry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they decided that they, it should premiere in L.A. So they did it. Patti Lapone gets good reviews. They take it to um, London. And sorry, who is the actress that plays it in London? Is it Elaine Stritch? Uh, no. Uh, no. No. I don't think so. Is it? Let me. No. I don't think so. That's not for her. Let me quickly Love Elaine Stritch. Big fan of her work. Have you seen her in 30 Rock? So funny. (laughs) So funny. Um, She's the lady who lunches. She's my queen. Um, I was her for Halloween one year. So good. Yeah. That's so good. Yeah. That's so funny. Sorry, I'm just going to quickly look this up because I'm... um, Glenn Close. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. Sorry. She has, the, Glenn she has Close. the turban on and everything. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Glenn sorry. Close. Just had a blanking moment. Miss Corella was... DeVille herself. Yes. Because that's, right. that's how I knew her as a kid. Mm. She was Cruella. <laughs> she was Cruella. <laughs> that's right. Long before Emma Stone was Cruella, Glenn Close was Cruella. That's right. Um. So Glenn Close plays it in LA and she gets rave reviews. Well, it's so, it's so her, really. Mm. Like, so her. 
Patty Lapone has it in her contract that she is to move when the mo- show moves to Broadway, she will, um, of course, take over the role. But because Glenn Close is getting these rave reviews, rumors start forming that uh, Glenn Close is going to play it on Broadway, even though Patty has it in her contract. Mm-mm. And of course, Patty <laughs> gets like told, "No, no, this is not going to happen. This is not going to happen." And then an article gets written announcing that Glenn Close will be playing it on Broadway, and Patty gets a call from her agent, being like, "I just read this in the paper." Glenn Close is playing the role on Broadway. You've been fired. Not fired from the L.A. production, but that But from Broadway, yeah. Uh, Patti Lapone throws a tantrum, <laughs> trashes her chain. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. Famous. Walks, a famous, like, diva, really. It's walks wonderful. out wonderful. of the show. It's like, I'm not doing the show. I'm not doing the show mm. anymore. Like, I'm done. I quit. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. And um. then sues Andrew Lloyd Webber, wins for contract breach one million dollars puts a pool in her backyard and calls it the andrew lloyd weber memorial pool yes (laughs) yes that is true funny it's It's so so funny funny. also hell hath no fury like a patty scorned (laughs) no fury like a patty scorned is the top like you have woman scorned then you have patty scorned like there's She's on another level, and it's incredible to be a witness to it. And then, um, yeah, okay, so let's get back to Ava. We're jumping around this episode. It's super fun. We got lots to talk about. We got lots to say, and um, that's the only way we know. So, of course, Ava Perone dies of cervical cancer, which actually was largely kept from her. She didn't know. She would just have these random procedures done on her all the time because her husband who is the president at the time, wanted her to appear to be strong and didn't want her to know. So if she knew, she might, you know, look frail or not gust her up the gusto to be mm-hmm. in front of the people. Which, because, like, how how awful is that? So sad. Like, let's oh. talk about that for a second. That's so sad. And because sad. Her, her popularity was so tied, or his popularity was so tied to her popularity. Yeah. Like, he needed her, essentially. And there's even evidence that she was lobotomized without her consent. Whoa! I did not Mm. find that in my research. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, So when she dies, this was being discussed before she even passed, that her husband, Juan Perón, would discuss with Dr. Ara, who is, like, a leading expert on death and, you know all that embalming and all that fun stuff. He would take her body and start embalming her in which this is weird. He left all of her internal organs inside and which is not normal, like embalming process. Yeah. uh, Injected her body with wax and alcohol and would put a thin layer of plastic like over her body. That was like, you couldn't really see people described her body as having a wax like, texture to it and this embalming process would cost a hundred thousand dollars wow yeah it was a very irregular um preservation embalming process so they were building this like beautiful tomb for her but of course um perone gets exiled deposed and exiled at this time and he has flees to europe But her body stays behind with Dr. Ara. The current president doesn't want her body in, like, the country or he wants her body buried so that, like, she can be forgotten about and nobody Mm. can remember the good old days of Miss Ava Perone. 
and so he hire he gets sorry the head of the like the army to basically pick up her body and he randomly takes a nap with her body in the truck and when he wakes up there are flowers and candles and a shrine all around the truck and this happens twice so weird so So weird man. so weird so he's supposed to drive the body to a cemetery where it's going to be buried but instead he gets scared for some reason and he puts her in her attic in in his (gasps) attic sorry oh my gosh so she she's she is her corpse is in the attic for a whole year before she is discovered wow um, <laughs> that's awful. It's it's so much. It really is. Um. So when finally her body is discovered, he gets fired, of course, and they send her body to Milan, Italy, for some reason, and they bury her under a different name. Mm. So Maria uh, Magi Magistis, um, in Milan in 1971. Eventually, she is found, and then her body um goes to. Wamperon, who is, of course, in exile and lives in his living room. Or, <gasps> oh, yeah, no. she just like sits yeah. there in the living room, and his current wife, Isabel, combs her hair every day and puts makeup on her and makes her just look vibing. Vibes. Yeah. Just vibing oh, no. together. Um, I just want to say, as you're describing this, when I was a kid, on the early internets, when you would search Ava Perone, some of the pictures that would show up were, like, dead body pictures. Mm, and that, yeah. like, I was really bothered by that. And I, like, stayed far away from that. And, like, I knew that her body went missing. But, like, I did not dig into any of this. So all of this is a surprise to me. And I'm, like, a little surprise. freaked out. Yeah, She's one of fake... the most, like, famous, like, corpses, weird yeah. missing corpses. Like, she's famous for not only, like, her life and everything, but also in, like... Yeah, mm-hmm. death community and like circles that are like more macabre or like interested Whoa. in corpses and, and things. Yeah, she's famous. Yeah, and credit where credit is due. This is from the uh, most of my information is from the iconic corpse series on Ask Mortician. So just yeah, citing my sources. She's she's an iconic corpse. She's yeah. an iconic well corpse. As, icon as well all over. Wow. So icon. so prone eventually gets reelected so they go back to buenos aires but the body stays behind in europe for some reason don't know why and then he um actually dies and then but not before he's president he gets to be president again he's Mm. president and then he dies and then his wife becomes president his isabel and so she brings the body back to oh no this is not the oh i'm i'm mistaken there is uh peronists like hardcore people that are for the peron government they hold the another president's body for ransom and it's like you give us back you give us back ava's body or we will like destroy uh, this president's body blah 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 so they finally get um her body back and isabel decides that she's going to make um a proper tomb for her husband and Ava, but it's weird because in while well, lying in state, uh, his body he's a closed casket and she has an open casket because but she's been dead for like years at this point. I think some of it preserved. though is like is like to show oh no we have it back like I think uh, yes. I think that's part of it. It's like it's very interesting because Ava Perone is like 
not only in life this like interesting spectacle of a person she's also that in death like she yes. it doesn't stop the show doesn't stop you know it's very interesting and so yeah she's so iconic and then of course isabel gets deposed as well so then that um tomb never comes to fruition again and so then she is her body is returned to her family and now she is buried in basically a steel um mausoleum that is it's nuclear bomb safe it can like she's like in the mausoleum she's buried like two stories underground wow she's good no one's taking her anywhere yeah yeah, she's she's in the very famous cemetery in Buenos Aires called the Ricoleta Cemetery, and I've never been myself, but I have pictures or postcards from there that people have sent me, and also uh, I had flowers put on her grave once. Mm-hmm. That's so sweet. Yeah, that's cute. Didn't know that she was she was like nuclear proof or anything, but yeah, basically <laughs> she'll never be destroyed and. When the body was returned, they said that she was in really good shape. The only thing is that they thought that she may have been put in a casket that was too small because her feet were a little bit messy. Mm. Weird, yeah. Yeah. Um, but she made it around the world the Mac again. There's know? one more aspect to this story we have yet to talk about is the movie. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Madonna. I did it for the money. I did it for the fame. But better wow. than Madonna. It's so, it's so famous. It's so famous. She's so famous. It's made it to like Drag Race. That's how you know you're. Yeah. Played mm, famously by Roxy Andrews. Yeah. My name's Roxy Andrews. And I'm Not my favorite clear. performance. I just want to say. <laughs> we agree. We all agree. I watched it and I was like, Mm-mm, no. Roxy or you're Madonna? Like, I don't think you did it better than Madonna. Roxy. <laughs> And you didn't. Yeah. And you didn't. That's so funny. I was like, this person clearly knows nothing about Evita. <laughs> um, so the film was, of course, released in 1996 and stars the iconic Madonna as Ava Perone. And it is more based upon, though, the concept album rather than the stage musical because it, of course, gets like, a, you know, a stage play written for it and all this fun stuff. Uh it actually went through a lot of like changing of hands when it came to what production company was going to, of course, produce the film. I went through Paramount Pictures at one point. Oh, it started with Warner Brothers and then would go to Paramount. And then I believe it ended with Disney. Well, not really Disney, but uh, what is it? Vienna Vista, which is their, like, oh, yeah. their, their more adult yeah. company. And actresses that were like slated for it where actually Elaine Page was brought in. A Paramount wanted Elaine Page to play um, Evita and actually Eliza Minnelli wearing a blonde wig had been <laughs> screen tested for the role. Stop! I didn't know that. I just love, I love Argentina. I, I'm Evita with a V. Let's turn on the lamp. Uh, yeah. It's Evita with a V, not Evita with an M. It's Evita with a V goes, no. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's not working. Wow, you're amazing. <laughs> the role would eventually go to Madonna after she wrote the director, saying how she should be, how she should play the the iconic role. Um, and it's interesting that like in history, I feel like Madonna kind of gets like pooped upon for being, you know, not a great actress in this role. But she was nominated yeah. for a Golden Globe, like, and I think she was nominated for the Oscar as well. Like, I don't think she's a bad actor in it. I mean, no. I'm I'm very obviously I'm biased, um, 
but I'm also very judgmental about acting. Um, and I do, I watched it recently. The performance is good. I wouldn't say it's like the very best performance, but like it's heartbreaking. Some of the scenes, especially at the end when she's dying, like the acting is solid. And I'd like to add that, you know, Ava Crone, as we've said, in Life and Death, is an icon. And there's like an energy that comes with being an icon. And while Ellen Page and Patti LuPone are an icon, they don't have the same star power or like iconic status of someone with one name. You know, like... Madonna. Madonna. It's it's fucking Madonna. And... Also, Madonna as a casting choice is also kind of brilliant because Madonna carries a kind of sexual charge about her work. Totally. And that is a huge part of Ava Perone's story too. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. yeah. Very, very magnetic. Yeah, I, the only thing, I haven't rewatched this recently, but the only thing that I've watched recently that I remember Madonna acting in was A League of Their Own. And she slaps in that. So... Mm. I would also argue that I don't think Madonna's that bad of an actor. Well, Patty um, Lapone disagrees with you. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> but guess what? Don't I come for me. Patty Lapone on the line. Patty, Patty Lapone so... on Watch What Happens Live said, Madonna, she's not a great actress. She's a little dead behind the eyes. It somehow works for her uh, diva pop moments, but as an actress, no. That's not a direct quote. That's very much paraphrased. I might get very controversial, but was she looking in a mirror when she said that? Oh! Fighting words, fighting words. I mean, like, Patty, you know, if we look at Buenos Aires, the way she sings that song, it's so, like, wild. You have no idea what she's saying. Yeah. Uh, But, like, it's a sing. Like, she is singing. Um, And it is iconic as well. But not as iconic as Madonna. I will never forget watching a video of Patti LuPone and just watching her jaw basically unhinge in order to get mm-hmm. those notes. It is incredible. Yeah. Beyond. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Avita was nominated for eight uh, Oscars, but didn't win a single one. Well, Robbed. What can you do? Riggory. Rigga Morris. Morris? Who's Morris? Um, the, That movie is also like set wise and costume wise just so beautiful. Yeah. Costumes um, by Penny yeah. Rose. There's so many things I love about the movie. I love I love the performance of Jonathan Price as Juan. Really incredible. Mm. That I think he's actually the star of star of that movie. Um and also Antonio Banderas. For me, the uh the actual soundtrack in my brain of the lyrics of Evita are all filtered through Antonio Banderas' wonderful accent. So That's it's cool. iconic for me. He is Avita. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think. I is there any last little factoids that we would like to add to this fun conversation? Um, I'd like to add that Ava Perone and Juan Perone also had some really sketchy practices oh, of yeah. like silence, mm. silencing the press. You know, just killing people who dissented. Like, not they weren't great. They did some things that, like, I approved of as a kid. Like, I have this book that I made people buy for me, which was a translation of her speeches when I was a kid. And, you know, she says, The suffering of the poor, the humble, the great pain of so much of humanity without sun, without sky, hurts me too much to keep quiet. And, like, yes. Yes, I feel the same. Like, I want to take care of people and, like, Make sure that people who are oppressed are lifted up and blah, 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 all that stuff. Um, and also very questionable 
political practices. So, you know, it makes, I think the Ava Peron story for me makes me have sympathy for people who maybe learn something or they read something. It, it gave me perspective for like people who fall in love with Trump or people who fall down the rabbit hole of like misinformation of other of different kinds like sometimes you do the wrong research and you end up in the wrong place but sometimes your intentions were originally to help people so yeah uh not that i condone trump or like misinformation at all but it does give me some empathy for sure i think it's hard i think it's hard to not to to, um being the people who we are who are you know um people who do not believe in a lot and you know right-wing propaganda and whatnot i don't know like our cancel culture doesn't make it easy for people like us to try to find empathy for others but i think that's important to bridge the gap for sure and i think it's important to kind of get where people are coming from even if they're you know they're totally not not with it uh i think it's totally easy to take things at face value when you're looking for somewhere to belong or someone to belong to or someone who, you know, whose ideals maybe match what you're feeling. Uh, someone who appeals to you. And even if that, like, appealing nature isn't their actual truth. Like, Ava Perone, friend of the Nazis. Like, you know. Like, yeah. Um, but, but, of course, like, there's people who would, would listen to the speeches. And myself included. Hearing that, I'm like, wow, that's inspiring. And that's totally how I feel. Yeah. But it's the follow through um, that maybe some people aren't seeing that you know make it difficult to explain away it's one of those things where i think that like the sentiment of like the road to hell is paved with good intentions is like very true like nobody really thinks even i mean and i hate giving like some of these people sympathy but like some of the worst atrocities in the world were committed by people that really did believe that they were doing the world good it doesn't mean that it was right absolutely they in their own brains thought that they were doing the right Mm -hmm. thing and making the world better that's not to say that that's why it's the road to hell because it's still bad but it is just to like think make you think that most people in their brains think that they are good people and that they are doing the right thing yeah no one wakes up in the morning and goes i'm the bad person yeah Yeah. let us continue doing the bad thing like nobody Unless they want to cast themselves as a villain for, I don't know why, but I'd say the majority of bad people don't think that they're doing bad things, which is harmful. And that's why, you know, the world is hard and weird. Yeah. I have two other things to add. Sorry. Um, Hell yeah. Give it to us. um, One is that if you go to Argentina now, uh, the legacy of Ava Peron is still mixed. Like, you know, with our modern sensibilities, we might think that like people just flat out hate her, but she does represent like certain feminist values for certain people. Like uh, she represents a kind of strength and uh, uh, just general badassery, a, a caring for other people in some ways. Yeah. Um, you know, the people's lives who she did touch, uh, like the working class descamisados people, there are many who really love her still. And then there are also people who really hate her. And, you know, you're not for everyone, um, especially if you are a Nazi sympathizer. Um, the other thing I'd like to say is that none of, probably the closest representation of what she actually sounded like is probably Patti Lupone. 
because if you actually listen to her speak, I, I actually, I think when I was looking as a kid, you couldn't find recordings of her voice as easily. There wasn't YouTube or whatever at that time. And so I watched some with my boyfriend recently and her speeches are like, <laughs> like they're very barky sounding. Not that I'm saying that Paradalupone sounds like that, and I'm sorry for that horrible sound that I made. Like, Ava actually sounded a little bit... (laughs) But the metal audience is, like, totally down now. Yeah. You should go and listen to her talk. She also, like, seems very much like a fascist dictator when you watch her talk. Um, But passionate. I mean, that literally literally sounds exactly like how all fascist dictators talk. That's a total style of the time, and... Of speeches. It's huge. You know, it's huge. It's going to be huge. <laughs> it's huge. Uh, yeah, but like, China. you know. Absolutely. China. China. The things that live in me for Ava are like strength and like ambition and resiliency and uh, bravery. Like just, you know, she, she was not really someone who, she didn't super care what people think. She did what she wanted to do. She, like, wore your clothes if she wanted to. She, like, spoke her mind loudly at a time that that wasn't a thing for, you know, femmes. Like, it, she, she was a trailblazer and complicated. And we can keep yeah. some of the things... Yeah, we can keep some of the good... That we learned by learning about her. Those things that are in me are the good things that I carry on. And I think that it has value i love that yeah totally i love that so much thank you for sharing your obsession and love with us laura like like this has been such a a fun episode because you're just so passionate about this and we thank you so much for opening our eyes to this amazing story and so multifaceted there's something for everybody if you love history there's stuff in it if you love pop culture there's stuff there if you love drama and feuds there's stuff there for you too if you love musicals if you love the macabre it really has everything it has like i think it's one probably one of the most like (laughs) mass appealing stories something Mm -hmm. for everyone ones that we've told in this podcast so that's really exciting so glad because i was like this is very niche oops I'm, I'm not sure if this is, like, within the context of your show, but I'm so glad it is. No, 100%. Thank you for having me. Um, well, we like to end our podcast off by talking about ooh, pop ooh. picks. So we'll start with you, Laura. Like, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you ingesting? What are you consuming? Well, I mean, wah, wah. Uh, I, right now I'm, like, pretty consumed with um, the Supreme Court uh they're talking yes. about Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade right now. And so, like, right now, I would say, like, my who I'm standing today is uh, Sonia Sotomayor. Yep. Um, and, yes, Sonia Sotomayor, yeah. Yeah. And also uh, Jonathan Van Ness did a really, like, amazing live recently about HIV AIDS on World AIDS Day. And, like, super standing that. Yeah, they were so eloquent. I watched, I saw you shared it, and I saw I watched it all, and I was like, whoa! Yeah. There's so much information here that um, just is ignored, which sucks and is dumb. I love Yeah, I don't know about BTS, so I, <laughs> you'll have to, like, fill, fill people in with the actual pop culture. <laughs> That's so funny. I love BTS, but I also love me some JVN, so. Carly, what are your pop picks? 
I'm trying to figure out if my pop pick has been a pop pick that I've done before. That's why I'm scrolling our Instagram. Let's give a little plug for at before there were hashtags Instagram that Eric um, so expertly Thank curates. Um, I don't care if I've said it before. I will say it again because I've been obsessed with this season of Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think I've done. I think I've given Dickinson before. You you may have mentioned yeah, yeah, it before, yeah. but I think it may have been in like a couple of. You said more than one, okay. so I probably didn't post it on the Insta. So okay. I'll make sure to highlight Dickinson. This one. It's such a good show. It like, it's the kind of TV that I want. Like I look at like maybe this is ambitious and kind of silly, and it sounds maybe weird, but I watch it and I go, "This is the show I want to make. Like mm-hmm. this is the shit that I want to do." Um. So it's it's so funny. It's like. Um, if you watched Bridgerton and liked the idea of like period piece, but but modern, you'll love you'll love Dickinson. And Dickinson is like all about the life of Emily Dickinson, and it follows her like she's played by Haley Steinfeld, and it's just like so good. Queen of pop, ah, queen of pop, and Jane Krakowski plays her <gasps> mom, and there's so many good people in it. It's so funny. It's like a dark comedy essentially. Um, and it has like poetry in it. It makes me go, oh, I can be a poet. Um, I can. Yeah, you can. Yes, you can. Maybe I, maybe. Stop that. You can. Um, (laughs) but it's so funny and it's so like joyful and it's so like, there's so much right now in the third season, not to give too much away, but I mean, it's a timeline. We all get how time works. They're in the middle of the civil war. So it's very drama. Hmm. Um, and it's so good. Yeah. It's very gay. It's very like of the period because it's Emily Dickinson um yeah it's like a, an imagining a remat like of her life they play like current music and they talk like how you and i talk you know um i think we just i don't know it's, it's a really excellent portrayal of it's an excellent period piece that doesn't feel like a period piece which are my favorite kind of shows mm. like uh, if you've watched the great like the catherine the great show the great mm. um it's similar to that in that it's a period piece that feels current and modern um because I think we do a lot of, I think this kind of ties into the theme of the day is where we do a lot of romanticizing the past and feeling like people who came before us were very different than we are today. Um, and I don't think that's true. I think that, you know, what drives people has been the same for forever. And so I think the way that people have always interacted um, is, is the same, is the same kind of energy. So to lend like a casual energy to like a formally dressed Victorian setting is so funny to me. And I'm obsessed with it. And it's comedy. It's brilliant. I'm going to stop talking. Get off my high horse. Um, but yeah, Dickinson. Great. Um, I just want to say I'm standing Frasier right now. I don't need to talk about that more. Oh. We can talk about that in another episode if you ever want to have me back. I'm a big Frasier stan. <laughs> oh, 100%. We would love to have 100% okay. we will. That's it. <laughs> Frasier Crane. Why not? And then, Eric, what, what is your pop pick of the week? That's right. My pop pick of the week is I've been watching the new Gossip Girl. Ooh. XOXO Gossip Girl. <laughs> Ooh, how is it? What's, a go- what's it going is, on? It is just as unrelatable as the original. <laughs> and I, I can't help but love it. That's great. Uh, somebody That's asked so me, they're good. like, do you love it? I was like, it is so bad, but it is so good. It is like, it's wow. exactly like the original. You're like, this is not good TV, but it it is yeah. soapy AF, but that's what we love about it. But that's what keeps people coming it back. Is, is it like what, is it what you expected? Yeah, it is. Okay. It's, it's the same show made for a 20 to 21 audience. So more diverse, nice. more queer. Mm. So mm. like, what's not to love? 
It's just turned up a bit. It's yeah. just turned up a bit. It's about two sisters instead of two best friends. Ooh. Ooh. Juicy. Is it a different yeah. Gossip Girl? Do we know? Yeah, you find out who Gossip Girl is in the first episode. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. That's Sorry, spoiler. But it, it was I'm not the, telling you who it is. It was that one sister from Bridgerton. Right. Bridgerton is literally period Bridgerton Gossip is, Girl. It's yeah. period Gossip Girl by Shonda Rhimes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, my friends. We're going to head out. I hope everybody has an amazing next week. We'll be back with a new guest. Who will it be? We don't even know yet. Ha, 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 ha. Ooh. Ah. Drama. Oh, do you want to plug anything, Laura, before we go? Yeah, yes. Laura, let us know where they can find you. Oh, my gosh. Um, well, you can find me at Laura at, at laura.m.welch. That's my Instagram. You can find me at the YARC podcast. You can find me at Safer Spaces Project. But especially, I would like you to take the Safer Spaces survey. Uh, so if yes. you go to industrypresents.com slash safer dash spaces and let us know about your experience of being in the arts or in the theater world. We want to make the world safer and we need your data. We need your feedback. So please, 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 please fill out the survey. Yes. Do it. It's really easy. I did it. I'm going to have a follow-up interview soon. It's a very exciting project. It's important. As a fellow artist, it feels so nice to be able to have somewhere to be listened to about what you know our needs our various vast needs are um and it's so exciting this is such a great time to be an artist oh my goodness laura thank you for joining Aww, us thank you so much you are. thank you for having me it was such a joy uh thank you for letting me nerd out for like a long time i haven't been able to do this since grade like six so this was a real joy <laughs> glad that, and that we was before that hashtags Mm-hmm. That was totally, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, we, it's no secret. We love you. Um, I love you. Thanks for, thanks for this week. It's been what? a love fest. Thank you for coming Ooh. to Guestmas and to Before There Were Hashtags. Yes. We will see our audience members next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Merry Guestmas. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho, ho.